Welcome to the Obstructed View podcast. Good evening. How are you, mate? You're good. Yeah. Good evening, pal. Um, yeah, a bit better with the uh, with the appeal verdict. Um, but yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Good, good, good. Yeah, we'll we'll obviously start with that. I suppose it's bigger, probably bigger news than the game itself uh, the weekend. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, obviously we found out yesterday. Finally, we got a verdict. I've been waiting a while. It's been dragged on. Um, but yeah, obviously ten to four, well ten to six, or so four points back, which pops you up a few places in the table as well. So yeah, yeah. What's initial reaction to that? I suppose. Yeah. So. Essentially, I think we were maybe th- hoping for a few more points back. I think most fans were hoping for more points back. But then when you're listening to maybe some of the media people who maybe know, know more, they some of them are just happy that they've got something back. So I think it's mixed emotions a little bit. It's it's interesting how like this appeal board have sort of interpreted things a lot differently to the um, original commission. Um, so that's been quite interesting. But... I think Everton and all the other clubs will be looking into this with like quite serious, seriously because we're basically like it's uncharted territory. Really, nobody really knows what's going to happen at the next turn. So, yeah, we didn't really know what to expect. I think it's a good thing for Everton. We're in a bit of a rut. I think the um, situation has started affecting the players and the the team. Um, and I think just to have them four points on the board and jump up to fifteenth is probably a positive and. It's nice to have a home game straight after, pretty much, to try and consolidate that with a with a victory. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and look, yeah, I thought it'd probably be five or six that you got back if you got anything back, but I think four's better than none. I think it's probably the best way you got to look at it uh, yeah. at this point. Um, I remember I was working from home yesterday when it popped out, and um, there's quite a lengthy statement. So, um, yeah, do you want to give us a give us a bit of chat about that? about the statement that Everton released and probably the statement in terms of why it was reduced to by, by four. Yeah, so we'll um, we'll go through the statement, not read it all, we'll just go yeah. through the important bits and then um, after that we'll talk a bit about why it was four or why, they've, why it was six, maybe we should say. Really. Um, so Everton's statement, uh, Everton were pretty satisfied that the appeal had resulted in a reduction in the point sanction, as you'd expect. Um, it did seem like Everton were fairly sort of positive in this statement, so they did seem fairly happy. I think reading from it, it's, it's, it's always difficult to sort of see what they're trying to get get at. I think a lot of it's legal and and whatnot, but um, they did say that, that Everton are still digesting the uh, the verdicts on the appeal board. Um, I do guess that's probably something they've said tactically. Maybe they're just holding something back, saying we yeah, we are happy, but you know. We're still going to look into things, um, but that could be a lot more to do with what other clubs are thinking as well. You know, like looking into it. Yeah. Um, so essentially, Everton Everton's appeal has been a success because we've had points back, so it was worth appealing. A lot of people questioned whether it was was worth doing, or maybe you'd end up with a worse punishment down the line or something because Everton had appealed. But no, Everton have had four points back. Um, there was two out of nine sort of reasons Everton gave were held up and, and uh, that's why Everton got points back. But if we actually look at it, the vast majority of Everton's mitigation or arguments um, were unsuccessful, to be honest. So that's probably why we've still got quite a few points taken off us. Um, Everton's two main areas where they've had success 
is they've compared the sanction to the EFL rules because I think what what we could all see from the first um, first commission that they had obviously looked at the EFL rules and applied them. So Everton have gone back and said, well, you've used the EFL rules. You should have used them properly, really, in a way. We'll go back. We'll go into that a bit more after. And the second thing was mainly um, the Premier League has rules for insolvency, so administration. Um, and the lawyer basically said it can't possibly be more than the administration um, penalty of nine points, which Portsmouth got a few years ago. So that was Everton's second area where they got the points back. Um the board were particularly pleased that the original commission's finding that the club had failed to act in good faith was overturned. The commission said that was wrong. Um, and Evans put that down as an incredibly important point of principle. That's what they said. And I think that and I think the fans are probably overlooking that a bit, but I think what that means is Everton have obviously feel that they've suffered a reputation wise um from from this whole thing. So I think Everton are actually sort of saying there this has affected us beyond money, beyond points. It's affected the whole club's image, I think, a little bit that. And um, the club at the end just thanked the fans, the fan advisory board, fan groups and all supporters for the sort of role during the process. So I'm guessing the, a lot of the protests and the fan advisory board actually put like a piece together, like a document, which was a reference quite a few times in the uh, appeal verdict. So that, that went down well. And a few of the fan groups have started trying to claim kind of a, a role in it and claiming that they, it, it was it, it was their main mainly their help. But um, I think the main one you'd probably say thanks to was would be the 1878s who've done all the protest banners and everything like that. So they're they're the ones I would praise the most if any any fan group uh, was to have a bit of praise. Um, and yeah, that's the statement. Yeah, I, I mean, from an, kind of an obviously an outsider looking in, I thought one of the big things that not mainly fans I suppose fans are happy about it but the club was happy about is the uh, acting in good faith bit by the sounds of it as well because I think that was something that they were quite offended by in the original ruling weren't they in terms of it seems like a lot of the media picked up on that as well yeah it's it's Everton Everton against the media a lot of this as well Um, and I think that saying Everton had basically lied in a way is what they were trying to get at Everton misled Everton lied Everton didn't act, act in good faith they were they were using these terms in like different ways all the time, but essentially they were saying they they lied, and I think Everton made mistakes, but they didn't actually outright try and deceive them. I don't think, and that's what's come back in the second, uh, well, in the appeal board's verdict anyway. Thankfully, yeah. Um, what, I, what what do you feel about it as well? In terms of the statements that are released, like, yeah, like I think it probably does show that Everton Everton do accept blame. They do accept that the club has obviously mismanaged the finances. They're not actually saying in there, but it's still wrong. What they're saying is, we're happy that we've got points back. And Everton were probably quite happy to take six points, essentially, really, um, as a sanction. So I think it is almost admitting guilt in a way as well. I know Everton have done that in the past and said, we have look, we have broken the rules. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in it does read to me a bit like Everton have said, I don't think Everton are going to take it any further anyway from that. What I've read, anyway. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of forest uproar, I suppose. Aren't they? We're not uproar, but you know what I mean. A lot of chat around. We don't know what's going to happen next, and all that sort of stuff. So I suppose that slightly leads us into. Unless you've got anything more to to add on the initial thing, but it slightly leads into 
really how does that affect the, the second referral that we've got coming up? But, but for you and Forrest, I suppose, really, isn't it? Well, I've got um, I've got a little bit on how they kind of got to far. It's a bit more detail on what I've just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so the appeal board focused on the entire spend rather than just why Everton were over. So I think Everton had basically, most of their argument was we went over because of the um, stadium, etc., the war, this, that, the other. Well, I think this this time round, the appeal board basically focused on Everton spending 100 million, 105 million anyway, do you know, before. So Everton spent 105 million, then went 19 million over. So what these have basically said the second time round is, well, you spent 105 million knowingly, straight up. You know, you shouldn't really be doing that, to be honest. Um and then the the big comparison that Everton's lawyer made was actually with Sheffield Wednesday. So um, the comparison to EFL rules, Sheffield Wednesday case of 2020, Everton's barrister, Lawrence Rabonitz, or Shagger Silk, put forward that <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday exceeded the threshold by 47% in 2020. So if you if you made that into an equivalent for the Premier League, that would be 49 million over yeah. in the Premier League. So Wednesday's losses were worse by around 30 million than Everton's, essentially. And Wednesday were given 12 points, and that was second back to six in the end. half, yeah, half on appeal, yeah. So Wednesday's uh, losses were worse, and they were also in a worse situation financially because Wednesday were losing more money season on season. Wednesday's was getting worse. Everton's has actually been getting better over those three years. So he was kind of saying... How can you give Everton a worse points deduction than your last one, which was Sheffield Wednesday, when essentially theirs was a lot worse? Um, and that was that was held up. That was one of the reasons Everton did get some points back. Um, I would say as well with a lot of this stuff that the journal, lots of the journalists are coming out with even yesterday and today, they're taking like little sections out of the report, which is 140 pages, and they're making it out like it's something it's not. It's you can't just take a little bit of it out. And then report on that. You've got to read like probably three or four pages for that section to make sense. So there's a lot of that clickbait stuff going on at the minute that you just can't read into, to be honest. Um, the lawyer, again, with force, stated that the insolvency was a big thing. So basically, because Portsmouth had a nine-point deduction for going into administration, he was saying you can't possibly give Everton more than nine points because that um, then brings into question the integrity of the Premier League as a competition. Uh, this cannot be more than nine points, he said. And that was also he- held up by by the appeal. So the sanction was also compared to Everton's uh, usual points they get in the season, um, average points over the Premier League era. And Everton only normally get 40, 50 points. He was saying to take ev- take f- 10 points off Everton when they only normally get 40 or 50 points on average was, was too much as well. So, yeah, that's it really. The final rationale, so the final reason the... Um, report gave from the board was Everton did not manage their finances with sufficient prudence to avoid a significant breach. So basically what they said was Everton didn't manage the finances well enough, essentially. And um, yeah, I think then we'll probably go into how does that affect the next case? Yeah, so you and Forrest, so yeah, I suppose it's a simple question. We've asked it already. How, how does it affect it? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because Everton were having to go back to Sheffield Wednesday's case in 2020, which was from were Wednesday in the Championship that at that time. Yeah, it was all Championship based um, championship. charges. Yeah. So now going into this second referral for both Everton and Nottingham Forest, 
both clubs now are going to be judged on Everton's first referral. So um, when they're referencing or looking back on stuff, they're not going to be looking back to Sheffield Wednesday anymore. They're going to be looking back to Everton part one, essentially, even for Everton part two, which is quite strange to think of it like that. But they're basically, they've set a precedent now. They've got to go off that for for these next two cases and then they'll change the rules in August, which it does need doing, but it's also a bit crazy that that's happening. Um the double jeopardy thing. So I don't know if you've heard of this. There's quite a lot in the um, in the article saying that Everton can't be done twice for the same punishment. So the next uh, referral is is two of the years that we've already been punished for. Mm-hmm. So it, if Everton have, and it does seem like Everton must have done something wrong in this next in this next load of figures because um, they wouldn't have been referred otherwise. So let's say Everton have done something wrong, or they've maybe gone back on what they were doing well at the end, Everton should really get six points again because they're going to go back off what Everton got last time, essentially. So Everton should get six points again. But two of those three seasons have already been punished. So you'd have to divide that by three and get two points, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, with Forrest's situation, essentially, Forrest are going to be judged on Everton's. But if I think what people do think is that Forest have spent a lot more money than Everton, but it was just in one season. Uh, the other two seasons, they were in the Championship. So, I think that's probably what will save Forest more than anything to do with Brennan Johnson or anything else, is the fact that they weren't actually in Premier League for those two seasons. So, they might get a similar thing where, let's say they got nine points because they've spent so much money. That might also get divided by three and be three points. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get you. So, yeah, they're basically going to be looking at, at Everton's case and then judging Everton and Forrest on this last case. Um, I suppose one thing Everton fans and myself are a bit concerned about is that Everton have, haven't really publicised the books from last season yet. Arsenal have released theirs today. And it's like, why wouldn't you release them at the minute? Is it because they don't want people to see what's in the books, you know, like the Premier League already will already know, but will it affect the team, the players, fans, if we all find out that we've gone over by a lot a lot yeah. of money, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that is something that's a bit concerning, but maybe they just wouldn't do it anyway with the situation. Um, and that's it really, yeah, so Forrest, it, yeah, so, so what I think the way Everton really need to look at this now, a 15th, one point ahead of Forrest, it doesn't seem plausible that Everton are going to get more points taken off than Forest. So, if Everton can finish one point above Nottingham Forest this season, with the state of Burnley and Sheffield United, we should stay up regardless of what points deduction we get. So, or what Luton do? Yeah, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, cause Luton. Let's say Luton are about the same as us both, and they don't get a deduction. They might be above both of us, kind of thing. So if Everton look at it from a perspective of it's Everton v Forest from now to the end of the season, just got to do better than them. Just got to do better than them, essentially. Mm. Um, which is quite an interesting thing because we do play Nottingham Forest at Goodison as well. So yeah, it's uh, it is all quite interesting. But I think it's the... so messy, <laughs> so messy. You look, for me, you you look at the league and you go, I don't even know if that's the league at this stand. Who knows? Well, Brentford's Brentford's um, centre back last night. I think it was Norgard. He's called. He said, on, he, I don't know why, they, they asked him or whether he spoke quite himself. And he basically just came out and said, this whole thing with Everton and the points deduction, they're messing with people's lives. <laughs> he said that. And I don't know why he would say that, because Brentford are 
you know what I mean? There's, I suppose they're probably involved with relegation battle now because they're of, in it that's now. Why he said they it, are, yeah. they're in it, yeah. Because of West Ham beating them last night, but it's it's not because I don't think he was sort of blaming Everton. I think he'll blame it Premier League. It seems like anyway. So it's not just affecting Everton. It's affecting probably eight other clubs at the moment um, who are involved with like the relegation battle and and whatnot. And um, yeah, it's really messy. And you shouldn't be talking about which lawyers are the best uh, earning or earn are the you know, what the best lawyers are earning the points back and stuff like that. Essentially, that seems like what what's going to keep Everton or Forest in Premier League at the minute. How, how good your lawyers are, to be honest. You need City's lawyers. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I can afford them. Yeah, well, yeah, for me, it's just really messy and hopefully the points aren't too bad for you if you get deducted. That is, I mean, you never know. It might not be a deduction. Uh, it looks like it will be, but... We don't know, do we, still but, at the moment, yeah, what, it, what it's going to be? The other thing with that is they may say Everton have already had a points deduction, so it goes on to next season. Yeah, or financial as well. That's possible, yeah, or maybe it's financial money, transfer bans and things like that. So yeah. there's also, you know, they might not do another points deduction. I think, I think actually as well, this is something about Nottingham Forest. I think Nottingham Forest will get a lower, maybe a lower number of points, maybe three or something like that, and something else. Like uh, maybe a transfer ban or something like a suspended points deduction as well for maybe another season or something if they spend big again. Do you know what I mean? So um, I'm just listening to something about Forest earlier that said that Forest are probably going to get a points deduction and another punishment because they spent so much in one season. I mean, everyone were, everyone were talking about how stupid they were spending money when they first went up that first summer. Money. I mean, they did a bit in January, but it was that summer period. What they were just. Like even I know it's not a signing in and it was it's spread out and all that sort of stuff, but just the contracts given out to Jesse Lingard like for yeah. bit part player, but obviously transfer fees for a lot of others. And it was what was it under an odd mil on transfer fees? Yeah. Mental, absolutely mental. They've only got the for that one. If you spend that, when you, do you know I mean, I know you they kind of had to because they just gone up and a lot of the players were on, on loan, loan. Yeah. that they had that got them up, but still it's just silly, absolutely silly money that they're flying about. Well, I think um, their argument, one of their arguments is is that they're going to say a lot of the players are out of contract or on loan, but what you'd imagine a commission would say is, well, that's that's your fault. That's just football. That's football. That's you've fu- got to manage your contracts, you've got to manage your players. Okay. Not, and at the end of the day, you got know, you up. You, you've got to sign 40 players as well. Nobody needs 40 players. <laughs> but mental, honestly. Mental. I don't think Forrest are going to do very well out of it, to be honest. Well, and it was a scattergun approach as well. It was just sign everyone. Anyone who's used to be all right a couple of years ago, yeah. slash some randomers that we can take punts on. That's what they did. Um, I suppose anything else more you want to add in terms of points deduction, appeals, sanctions? So we've talked about honest, for the last load of months. <laughs> to be honest, I just can't wait till the season's over with. We don't have to talk about hopefully points deduction, sanctions, or just, you just want to stay up. That's the end of it. And get get it done over and done with. I mean. <laughs> if we stay in Premier League and it, it's by, I don't know, goal difference, I'll take that now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're in, you're in the same position as the other years, it's completely different in terms of how the season is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, yeah. You, same, same as the last few seasons, but it's completely different circumstances in a way. We shouldn't be where we are on performances, but we are because of other things. But mm-hmm. there we go. Hopefully we can just get back to football next season. That would be nice. Yeah. Cool. So we'll we'll inevitably revisit this at some point, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in between, and then we'll talk a big we'll have a big one when we, when we see what you got charged with, and then we'll talk about the appeal. 
when that comes. Uh, and then we'll talk about honest, the result. I will say something on that. If Everton, let's say Everton get into some good form now and pick up results and Everton, I don't know, get two points deducted and it doesn't actually make any difference. Just take it. Just take they'd it. they probably just take it. I, I think it depends even, the impact, doesn't it? Depends the impact. If, if they're saying stuff like last time and saying that they lied and all this, that, the other, then maybe they would appeal. But if it's just basically, we know you've already done wrong. It's for the same period you've already been done for. We're just giving you two points more because it's it's the rules. Everyone will probably say, all right, fair enough, we'll stay up anyway. And that, and that leaves you four or five points above relegation. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Too, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. So, um, in between all that, we've had a game. Yeah. <laughs> Brighton away. Um, yeah. And 1-1. One, one. Obviously, yep. everyone knows the result. Uh, but anything, team news, anything you just want to talk off before we talk about maybe incidents um, quickly? Yeah, so <clears throat> Everton team news really was pretty much the same team we always see week in, week out. Jack Haddison was back in on the right-hand side. And I think I think it just provides a lot more balance than Ashley Young there. Just There's no attacking threat with Ashley Young on the right uh, maybe against a, a really good team at home or just to see a game out or whatnot. But, yeah, Calvert-Lewin with Decore just behind him. It's the it's the formula that works away from home. Jack Harrison back out wide. And Ben Godfrey's kept his place at right back. He seems to have made that spot his own, even though he's a centre-half. Mm. Um, you know, we've got Patterson and Coleman and Young on the bench for this game. So there's, it, there's three options there on the bench for right back, and uh, he's he's kept himself in there at right back. So it must be uh, must be impressing uh, impressing Dyche. It's weird because he didn't play for the first, I think it was four or five months. He didn't get a game, and then he get he has he get he comes back in because of injuries, and he's he's not been out of the team since. Um, I do think Dyche is is quite traditional with his uh, keeping the back four the same though. So I do half wonder if while things are going quite well, whether he just keeps it the same at the back. Um, and he does like an extra big sort of tall centre-half in there for set pieces as well, I think. Um, but yeah, the team news pretty standard, really. Nothing, No surprises at all. Anana's probably the one, um, again, on the bench. Yeah, um, I've seen that. It does seem to be kind of coming on a lot, like quite early in the second half sometimes, but he came on the 49th minute this game because Garnagay had a bit of a, an issue. But... Um, a lot of Everton fans would like to see him start as well because he just seems to be the player that can can do a little something going forward. So, yeah. first half then, obviously no goals because both the goals second half, but anything of note Everton-wise or even, I suppose, Brighton-wise first half that we, we should really go over? It was kind of the typical Everton away game. It's solid, hard to break down. You, you frustrate the home side. Um, Welbeck was quite a bit of a troublesome character in the first I'd say twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, and he had three. I think he had about three chances. But with that though, they didn't. They weren't like chances where you look back and think he should definitely have scored, kind of thing either. Mm. Um, Welbeck's a funny one because he, he kind of seems to have been around for ages now. Still, yeah. How old is he? I don't know. I don't know how old he is. I, I'm. I'm going to guess before before you look and find out. I'm going to guess Danny Welbeck. I always remember that video of him with uh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo, I yeah. Um, I reckon Danny Welbeck is 30, 32. I don't actually know. How, how... Uh, that's that's a guess, but I'm just... Well, Euros for England. <laughs> how, long since how, how long since I was at university? Because he's just coming through them, wasn't he? Yeah. I remember he was at Euros 2012. 2012, yeah. yeah. He's got to be in his 30s, hasn't he? I'd say 33 then. I don't know how old he is. <laughs> I'll Google it now. I'll get back to you. 
Anybody who's listening, guess how old Danny Welbeck is. Danny Welbeck. I'm just looking now. Have you got it? Uh, Wikipedia's always good. Probably lying, but Wikipedia's usually thirty-three. Yeah, we were, you were ah, right. Yes. I was, I was thirty-two, but yeah, he, he's still going. Be fair play. He's actually done really well at Brighton. I think. Um, yeah, I think he's um, he's become a player. It's almost Brighton. We you expect him to sign him young, and then they come through and get sold the big money. But he's kind of the opposite. He's kind of a player they've taken at the end of his career, and he's still become a good player for him, hasn't he? When Brighton signed him, I just think so. They signed him in twenty twenty. After a pretty probably disappointing season with Watford when they went down and that sort of stuff, you if just put it this way, if you'd have signed him back then, would you have been happy? It's a weird one because I never liked him, but no, I suppose but, but with, now, hindsight, you know. with hindsight, looking back, yeah, I probably would have done. Not, not that he's gonna you know, score your loads of goals, but he's 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 as good as, if not better, than what you've got, really, yeah. attacking wise, right now. And we have struggled with strikers, to be honest, up front as well, Everton, so yeah. It's pretty. It'd be, it's pretty difficult now to say you wouldn't have taken Danny Welbeck looking back, you know. But back um, then in twenty twenty, you'd have got absolutely no chance. You wouldn't have touched him. Would I you? Him. No, no. no. <laughs> Everton only really had one chance in the first half. It was cross from Vitaly Mikolenko. Um, it looked like Heading was Lewin was just going to head it in, and Dunk just came out of nowhere and headed it behind. Um, and that were it really for the first half. It was all Brighton to be honest. We were just defending. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Be... I mean, I've I've seen I've seen the the, the extended highlights, I suppose. But yeah, he, most of the chances were going Brighton's way, weren't they? Um, yeah. Before really, before I mean, was there anything early second half before uh, Brathwaite got his goal on seventy seventy summit? But um, yeah, anything before that, other than Brighton, maybe having a couple of chances. No, our chances really came after after the goal, really, yeah. because <laughs> um, it, it the, the second half was kind of slow when it started. Um, watched all the game like and when the second half started um, it just felt like I don't know nobody was going to score kind of thing does that make sense like yeah. it just felt a bit stale the game um, and I think well the first thing I think the Zerbi got shown a yellow card um, because yeah what it was Tarkovsky had, to be honest he got quite lucky he was on a yellow card and he takes down um, which player was it now one of the mid, one of their midfielders in midfield, and Deserbi goes mad asking for the red. And he loses his head and he gets booked, Deserbi. Um, and then Dwight McNeil puts the ball in the box pretty much straight after that, and Decore nearly scores. So that's Everton's first real big chance. I think Decore should have done a lot better, to be honest, with that one. Um, and then I think, did you watch MNF last night? Parts. So I'll have to let you know if I saw the bit yes. that you're going to mention. No, it's just it was just the sort of analysis before MNF. It basically talks about um, how Everton get these effective goals from Pickford's essentially taking free kicks. So um, how the goal came about was uh, Pickford um, launched a free kick up into the box. Um, Everton centre half nods it down. It goes to Branthwaite's feet and he puts it in the top corner. And essentially, that's an old tactic which a lot of clubs used to employ. And it's only really Everton still doing it in the Premier League. It's basically like Sam Allardyce Bolton kind of thing, yeah. in a way. So if, if Everton, again, away from home, at home, whatever, get a free kick, even in our own half near the halfway line, we throw everybody into the box. Pickford comes right up to the halfway line near enough and he launches it to the far edge of the box. And we're, the idea is head down and, and try, someone try and get the end of Tarkovsky, it. Tarkovsky, isn't it, every time, trying to hit him. But, it was Tarkovsky that got it, knocked it down. Yeah. 
Um, and I think, I don't know if um, you've seen much of the Branthwaite goal, but for a centre-half, it's a fantastic first touch with his right foot. And then he slots it in with his left foot, top corner, top bins. And um, once again, it just shows the quality of the lad. He's two-footed. Um, he's actually fully two-footed as well, Branthwaite. He can play with both feet. And for a centre-half to do that, it doesn't look like our centre-forwards centre can score at the moment. A lot of our goals are queried from... Uh, defenders and uh, another one from the young lad there. Um, fantastic goal! I, um, I thought it was a great finish. Yeah, I've, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Our folly, really, <laughs> in it. Our folly, a cross cross keeper. Is that the touch? And then the yeah. the automatic sort of swipe. It was like you knew what he was doing. But yeah, fantastic then. And it, and it looked all like Everton would probably see it out because Brighton just didn't have much. Um, and we got the sending off, which I don't know if you saw the Gilmore challenge. But um, Gilmore just goes in on on the the Everton player, and it it, it looks really nasty. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's not like one of them leg breakers, but it's like one that can just, just above your ankle there, where both studs go in over the ball, and it, it looks like it's kind of appealing almost to say, oh, "I haven't, you know, it's not my fault. I haven't done, I haven't done that on purpose." But it's a red card every time, and uh, it was a nana who went for, and a nana was quite theatrical. Do you know, when you first see it, you kind of think, oh, God, is he play-acting a bit like Richarlison kind of thing there? But he actually, well, I think he was actually really hurt, to be honest, to, to be honest an honor, and Gilmore fully deserved his red card. But then this is what a lot of Everton fans are speaking about, is that what we did then was we went we went from the normal sort of uh, philosophy and we weren't creating quite a few chances, and we went to just defending that 1-0 with Brighton having um, 10 men. And unfortunately... Brighton were allowed to have the ball and Everton couldn't really... Everton would just sort of sit back deep and we invited pressure on that. Maybe we didn't need to do and we always say about Dice that he's pragmatic and he always makes sure, like, try and see see the, see the see the game out. But with this game, it could have been one where we went and scored at the other end. What I will say, though, is with Beto and um, Jack Harrison both had decent opportunities to to take it to 2-0 before Brighton equalised. Um, and, and I think uh, Beto came on, he added up quite a lot of energy on counter-attack. But he was on his own a lot of the time, and a few good balls got put played through to Beto, but it was either either he took it on himself and scored like a bit of a worldie, or he didn't, you know what I mean, just had to hold, hold it up. And he had one good chance where he swatted it at the goalkeeper. Um, and it, I don't know, I think he probably should do better, but... He's not a clinical striker either, so yeah, I didn't expect him to score. But he should have done better with that. That would have been 2 0. Um, I think the Harrison one was actually after they scored. I think it was, yeah. Um, so the Brighton were knocking the ball around. I can't remember who they put the cross in. Uh, was it Mater- No. Was their winger puts the. So yeah, it's Beto's out trying to defend the winging, winger putting a cross in. He doesn't know what he's doing. The winger turns him inside, back inside, and back out. <laughs> Beto, centre forward, cannot defend this uh, this cross coming into the box. He flights a beautiful ball into the box and fantastic header from dunk into bottom corner. And I don't know, that would have been a massive three points for Everton if we could have uh, if we could have held on there. You know, at Brighton, a good team, a seventh in the league, and um, it was a bit like losing almost. It felt a bit like losing, you know, when a team scores a ten men as well, ten men. 10 men, 93rd minute, you know, 
It was a bit. I, I don't know where they got nine minutes injury time from. That was a bit strange. Cause nothing really happened apart from the Anana thing, and he went he went down for nine minutes. But um, yeah, um, Dyche has had quite a lot of stick for for how he sort of handled that at the end there. Um, but I don't know. It's, it, it, if you if you take it, the game on reflection, I'd have taken a point if, before if you've offered me a point. But I don't like saying that because of how the game went as well. Yeah. I don't think you can just say, oh, we would have liked a point so it was good enough. We should have seen that game out, really. And the rea- re- reality is yeah. you should have won. Should have won. Should yeah. have taken three points and we probably would have been up in 12th or something now. <laughs> do we Do we think it's a... It obviously is a problem, but what's the resolution to not being able to score from open play enough? Because it's not. It doesn't matter who it is. There's just not enough goals going in in terms of from. I mean, set pieces. Yeah, we can. You're getting goals from that. That's probably your best team really from set pieces. But it's, you are getting chances sometimes, but they're not being put away, are they? The Branthwaite goal goes down as open play, but it weren't really. Well, yeah, it comes from a set piece. Doesn't it? There's no sort yeah. of breakaway. You're not. You know, you haven't got the ball in your own half, breaking upfield, and then you know, someone scores. Or but any sort it of means- open play chance, you just seem to miss it. The easiest thing to say there would probably be that we need new players. Um, but for this season, we've got to try and find something, especially in these home games. We've got Nottingham Forest to play at home. We've got Sheffield United to play at home. We've got uh, Luton away. Um, You're going to have the ball, aren't you? In them we're going to have ball in these games, and we've got to try and find a way to break them down. Even Moyes' West Ham will sit in at weekend because they know they'll, they'll know what to do. Mm-hmm. They'll sit in and they'll try and frustrate us. And try and turn the crowd on on the team, and I don't know who's that key player in midfield that's going to put a good ball in or pick out a pick out an assist or a, just a ball that sort of puts a Calvert Lewin through on goal or something. Um, Dan Juma's has done it a few times, but he's injured at the minute, um, and I'd probably say the only really one who's not really getting a game is Anana. So I don't know whether he just changes the shape or something like that. Maybe or two up front, two up front hasn't worked. Doesn't look like it's going to work with them too. They're just they're not similar players, but they're not players who um, they don't seem to. They don't seem to yeah, they don't, yeah, probably best way to put it. They don't complement each other, do they? When they have yeah. done. So I don't. You're talking about um, needing to score a few more goals, but yeah, West Ham on Saturday three o'clock at Goodison. Yeah. Obviously, West Ham got a win last night, so that eases. I won't say eases the pressure on Moyes because I just don't think they want him anymore. A core of West Ham fans, regardless of results, do they? But um, just in a way, ease, ease it and probably gives the players a bit more confidence because um, there's terrible results up to that point. But, yeah, what are your feelings uh, on that game? Obviously, need a, need a result from it, but, yeah, what do you think? What are you thinking? Well, what I'll say first about Moyes and West Ham fans is, obviously, I understand why they're frustrated because he plays this very, similar to Dyche, I suppose, pragmatic football. So, I can, I can understand that and they want to see sort of, they want to see West Ham tech teams on like Everton and Brighton and, you know, other teams that they see similar to themselves. Um, but they also, they're also winning games and they're in a decent place in, in league. You know, they've eight. just beaten a, yeah, eight. <laughs> they've beaten a good, they've beaten a good Brentford last night, 4-2. Um, also, you know, they're still in Europe at the moment. Um, so, like, it almost feels a little bit like what more do West Ham want than what they've got at the minute. What a trophy. They, they, they've just, They've just won a trophy last year. I know it was on the yeah. Conference League, but still, the matter does it. It's a trophy, yeah. But also, like they don't spend anywhere near enough money to go to seventh, eighth, yeah. to sixth. So it, it's difficult. 
I think they probably will depart. Moises had a contract offered, hasn't he? And um, he's not accepted it, or it's not been publicised that he's accepted it yet. So I think he'll probably leave himself to be honest. I think, he, I think yeah. he's at that age, he probably can't be bothered with all crap, to be honest. I kind of... I'm torn with this, with him. We um, complaining and banners and chanting, get him out, that sort of stuff. I get it. I get it. West Ham fans think they won't World Cup in '66 and all that. Yeah. And West Ham way. And I get, I get, they want a style of football. And do you know what? If you want a style of football, that's fair enough. But the other side of that is, where else would you, I don't know where they think. Position-wise, obviously, style of football is completely different. But where where do you think you should be, other than eighth right now? But what I'd like to ask, I a, don't get it. A West Ham fan, who you know, a proper West Ham fan, let's say, would you rather finish fourteenth but playing nice football? I, I I don't know to be honest, but I don't think it's probably not a West Ham problem. It's a bit like a modern football problem. I think everyone wants to play like Barcelona did a few years mm. ago. Well, they, um, see, they see Pep coming when his football's changed. Football's changed. I mean, I go to championship games, AFL games, and you know, even my team plays out from the back, and that wouldn't have happened five or well, maybe no. five years ago, but ten years ago, certainly not. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's, it's there with Everton fans as well. We've always been a team that's not really played great football. Like, I think Bayern Munich, we played them in 1980s. They said this is anti-football from Everton then, and that's when Everton were good, you know. Um, and that there's even people saying about Daesh saying dash out as soon as, as soon as they can, you know, they're, they're waiting for for a bad game or a bad result or whatever to get on his back because he doesn't play attacking football, yeah. you know. But then if you look at the table or you look at the charts and the stats and things like that, whether we've got the third best defence in the league or something, you know, like defending is a lot of the time it's just as important as attacking in, in football, especially when you start at nil-nil. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, just, I just see West Ham at eighth. They're above Newcastle, they're above Chelsea, they're above Wolves who... By all accounts, everyone's praising them. Uh, they've had a decent season with Gary O'Neill this year. O'Neill, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, above Fulham and Palace, That's and you fact. expect all that. But same points as Brighton and five points behind Man U. Realistically, Chelsea should should be doing better. So Chelsea should be above them. And re- Newcastle really should be above them. Um, Money-wise, money wise, West Ham shouldn't be in the top seven. No, they should be 10th, really. I would because, say. because there's Chelsea that should be there. And then there's the top... Well, it's Tottenham and above in it, really. Then, yeah, yeah. So they haven't got the money to be in the top, the top any higher than where they are, really. So it's difficult, yeah. isn't it? Um, I, you just sometimes you think is you know, it's a gamble if they want to get if if you really want to get rid of him, then be prepared to be crap next season. I think that, as well because that could happen. I think as well with 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 Everton and and teams maybe Aston Villa are, are similar. As soon as you take two or three decent players out of that one of these sides. Um, they're not very really good, and West Ham have been without Paqueta for a while. Yeah, I think he came back in last night, and I think he, I think he was man at match maybe. A Bowen got man at match actually, but they were yeah, true, they were yeah. they were praising uh, Paqueta's role and influence in that game. Um, so yeah, I, I think as well like West Ham, you take a few players out of the team as well, they're not going to get the same results. So there's that, um, like we saw that with Brentford really, they probably wouldn't be down bottom if they had Tony all season. You know, kind of thing. Mm. It's a big player. About the game itself on on Saturday, um, I think Everton. We've got a really bad home record this season. Most of our points have come away from home, so we just need to get that monkey off our back as much as anything else. So West Ham are a team that are beatable. They're better than us at the minute. They've got better players. Uh, I think West Ham fans will be expecting to win at Goodison. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Everton have obviously got to try somehow to get points on the board. This is one of the more winnable games at Goodison 
for me. You know, I know West Ham are, are a decent side, a bit like Brighton, but it's a game that we you can win as Everton. So, yeah, with that, with those points, four points back, um, three more, and let's say Luton don't pick up any points at the weekend. Next thing you know, you could be eight points off the relegation zone, and things start to feel a lot better then, don't they? On Saturday night. Uh, Luton actually play on uh, the late kickoff on Saturday. So, if Everton could go and get a win against West Ham at three o'clock, could be back in pub by five o'clock watching Luton get beat, and the whole world would feel quite a lot better for Everton then, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think as well, obviously points is what's needed and most important. But just to get that league win this calendar year, because there's not had since Burnley, in it. Into eight, the Premier, eight, Premier League, obviously, you want a FA Cup game. but Eight, eight games without a win. Yeah. Now, which that... is a lot, really. Uh, we've been close. And we've had some good performances against good teams. But you've got to win games in Premier League. You've got to win yeah. games. Um, I don't, you can't go, I don't, you can't go I nine, don't ten feel, games. I don't feel like we won't do. You know, I, I'm not worried, per se. Like, but We've had Decore out. And Anana's been injured. Dan Juma's injured at the minute. And Calvert-Lewin just can't hit a barn door, which... That's the main issue, to be honest. If we can get him firing, get a bit of confidence into Lewin, I think I think that will change a lot. But I've just got no confidence at all at the moment. The lad, you know, good player, but yeah. Prediction. Hmm. Oh, well, let's go positive. Three-one Everton. It's not going to happen. I can't three see one. Three goals. Three goals. Three. Goals. three... Well, you're getting free set pieces. That's for sure. Anyway, <laughs> you're getting free goals. Uh, I'm going to go one nil Everton. I'm going to go one nil. Yeah, one nil. Let's hope um, it's Calvert Lewin. One <laughs> nil. Ninetieth uh, minute. Moyes out. Banners come on away and. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Moyes has got sacked after an Everton game before at Goodison Park. We were manu yeah. manager. Yes. So. Yeah. Manu. Yeah. Manu. Yeah. I don't yes. think he'll get sacked to uh, West Ham, but <laughs> I think he'll be there till end of the season, no matter what. Yeah. Even if the fans can. Protest probably he's going to stay till end of season minimum. Um, anything to wrap up with then, uh, Glenn? No, I just want to say I'm pleased Everton's got some points back. I hope we can consolidate that on Saturday with three points against West Ham. And I just I'm just hoping now for even if we get to another deduction or some more points off that we're actually in that position where we think we're not even bothered. You know that would be that's my ideal situation now to be honest. Yeah, sound agreed. And we'll we'll catch you next week for after a drama free week. Hopefully off the pitch. So. <laughs> oh God, there's never a drama-free week at Everton. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right, yeah. cheers, bye bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, share, and follow. See you soon.